Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. It's 11, 11 p.m. in an isolation tank, and you're listening to Night Call. Hello and welcome to Night Call, a... Colin show for our dystopian reality. I am Molly Lambert, and with me is Tess Lynch. And there is no Emily this week because she is driving back across the country, which sounds fun. Yeah. Godspeed, Emily. Hi, Molly. What's up? <laughs> hey, Tess. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I mean, is that we've talked about this before, but there's no answer. Like, pretty good. I don't know. Pretty good, I think, is the only right answer. I'm pretty happy that we can breathe the air again. That's the main thing. Yes, that is the main thing. Um, yeah, it's clearing up a bit, but it's still ki- it's still kind of chunky. And I've been suspicious that the AQI is not accurate. That's my conspiracy theory. <laughs> because there was a day recently where it was an AQI of, I think, 83, which is considered moderate. But it was, I was sneezing and it, it, the air tasted like a grill and I was not a fan. <laughs> I think we're right at the point where the moderate air feels like delicious fresh air because at least it's not the very bad air. It's not the chunky, chunky air, the chewy <laughs> air. I like the idea of the air tasting like a grill. It had such a flavor to it. It was very, and especially because um, one of the symptoms of coronavirus is a change in taste and smell. Oh, yeah. It made me very paranoid, but no, it was just the air. Yeah, it did. It did like kind of taste like a Western bacon cheeseburger. Yeah, it had the mesquite. 
Yeah, it was mesquite. Uh, my boyfriend was like, oh, are you burning a fall candle? And it was like, Aww. no, it's just uh, the actual fire air, not yeah. a bonfire candle. The air is just burning itself. Should we take a night call to kick things off? Let's take a night call. Hey, night call. This one is a little bit of a doozy, so I appreciate you all for listening. Um, I'm the oldest of four kids, and my youngest brother basically uh, is not going to cancel his wedding this year in rural Alabama. I feel kind of crazy for even wondering if I should go because there's a general generational pandemic on, and every chance we have to spread it, it's like a chance to uh, further harm people. But the only reason I'm even questioning it is because I really love him and his fiance, and it seems like the main reason they haven't called it off is because... Uh, my brother's future father-in-law and mother-in-law have a bunch of deposits down on a bunch of venues in Alabama. They're Trump voters, they're Republicans. They think the virus is real. They just are also thinking like what we're doing is legal and everything says it's safe as far as like state and national regulations are concerned. But um, we're also going to have to like sign waivers to get into a venue and the wedding's inside. And uh, it just seems like one of those things where I'm, I'm going to lose all agency on like how safe I feel about coronavirus if I even go. So I'm really torn. Part of me wants to uh, absolutely not go because fuck this shit and we shouldn't support it. Uh, and the other part of me is like, if it's just going to be my family who is like silent white people that don't talk but aren't necessarily rich enough to be watched that like won't stand up for themselves that are just going to accept all this like not safe stuff, someone needs to be an advocate for them, advocate for them. And then part of me also wants to go just to like, I don't know, try to make it safer. It seems crazy to even think about this. And I, I feel like a lot of people are faced with these kinds of choices. So maybe it's really selfish for me to even ask. But I'm just wondering if there's any general advice that I can get. I don't know. Maybe someone else has gone through this and uh, they'll also say, hey, man, uh, I went and I got COVID. Don't go. But to anyone else who has weird family that's not canceling stuff, sorry, we're all in it. And uh, also, what we do to make this all safe. Cheers, y'all. Have a great week. That was a really good call. Thank you for calling in. Also, an interesting follow-up to last week's call about going to Disney World. Yeah, totally. I think a lot of people, especially as we head into the fall, there are some things that have been on calendars for a long time that now that we're like deep into COVID, it seems like people are like, well... Maybe we'll just go through with it because we have it planned. Yeah. And I can imagine I, I don't ever want to downplay how much it would frustrate me and make me sad if I had been planning a wedding or there was another important event that had been sitting around for six months and I had no idea when I could do it. Um, I I. I think you can recognize that holding a wedding right now is probably a terrible idea, but to understand the impulse to continue on with life, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think with weddings, especially, it's like people sink so much money so far in advance that it, I'm sure it's hard to say goodbye to that money if you can't get it back, if you cancel the event. Uh, however, I'm extremely... I think you should cancel the event. That's my opinion. Well, the caller doesn't have the ability to cancel the event. No, totally. Um, I just mean, I think people, I, I've been getting into this a little bit on Twitter with people because I do think that people shouldn't try to hold especially big family events safely because I just don't think it can be done. Uh, they should just postpone it because... It's the idea of getting somebody sick at the wedding seems so much worse and like it would make the wedding. Yeah, you don't want your wedding to be like the the time when your entire family got infected with COVID. I think there has to be a way to broach 
that subject and just say, okay, but what if we all went with the best of intentions? What if something bad did happen? And then your wedding was for, it's like the wedding in Maine, um, that a bunch of people died after. Yeah. I think many of them hadn't even attended the wedding. It's just that when they were infected, you know, the people who went to the wedding were infected, they went on to spread it to other family members. But I also think a wedding that involves a family might be kind of the most dangerous of situations because you're going to have people who are older. Um, you're going to have people who are in closer contact who are hugging and stuff like that. So it just seems like an, a uniquely dangerous situation. Um, but I do wonder about how to talk to family about this. And I definitely think we would want to have more calls about how to talk to your family about quarantine and stuff like that on the show. Uh, Cause it's something that we're all navigating too. Um, and it's really interesting to get that perspective. But I think I don't think you should go to this wedding. Yeah, I don't think you should go. I know it's hard if you have relatives that are like very non-confrontational and just will kind of bury this under underneath whatever other feelings they aren't talking about. But I don't I don't know that going and trying to make it safer. I mean, I I don't know. What do you think, Tess? Well, my issue is that I feel strongly also that with weddings, um, I, you know, weddings are really, really emotional and tricky times for everyone involved. I've been in the position of not being able to go to weddings I wanted to go to for whatever reason. And that has been like a friendship ender in certain cases. But I also, I was very upset when a good friend of mine couldn't go to my wedding. And in retrospect, I look back and think about how self-centered I was being that I got so furious like she was on <laughs> bed rest she was pregnant but I just wasn't even I was like that's this is horrible but it doesn't matter if there's a person who can't make it to your wedding it, on the day you really don't care why do you think people get bridezilla brain worms I don't know I didn't even think I was that terrible of a bridezilla although I wonder if I'd been putting it off because of a pandemic if I would go if I would be edged into bridezilla territory because I would just feel like it was so unfair that like this was wrecking my day. It all, it all <laughs> just sounds so awful. But it, it's, it, you know, it's like the one opportunity for a lot of people to get both sides of your family together, especially if maybe they don't get along, um, which is not the case with me. But for a lot of people, I think it's a way for families to put aside differences and celebrate something and acknowledge the blending of a family. Maybe they won't see each other ever again, and that's for the best, <laughs> but it's like this one moment when you're all coming together as a family. I think now, too, because I was saying that I was starting to see people going to rich people weddings on social media, and that it definitely seems like there is a certain financial level of people who are just going ahead with weddings because they think they can just throw so much money at it that it won't be a problem. Yeah. I saw one where people were getting COVID tests at the door. Like rapid, rapid tests? Rapid tests, which somebody else was saying aren't necessarily accurate. So it's kind of like security theater where everybody gets approved to go into the wedding, but then you know, it, it could be, it could be a false negative. I have an idea for our caller. Yeah. This is one of the times when I'm going to say, I like radical honesty, but in this case, I think the best course of action is to lie. 
And if you don't want your family to be angry at you or feel like you're some, if you don't feel like you can take a stand and tell them that you don't think it's a good idea to have the wedding at all or that they shouldn't go, you could have a cough. (laughs) You could have a cough and then you wouldn't have to go. I mean, you could also try to gently execute some kind of you know, advisory to them about not doing it. But I I understand that in certain circumstances, that's not going to happen. I think it's hard, too. It's like your brother, you love them, you want to go to their wedding. It's not just like, I don't feel like it. But you also are genuinely concerned about their safety. And if there's nothing you can do to get them to, to postpone or or call off the wedding... I see also being torn about like going and being on site and trying to keep all the old people from going inside. Yeah, I don't think you can go. When you said that, Molly, I was like, I I don't think our caller can go because I think that the if you think that you could somehow make it safer by going there, what you're really going to do is make the wedding like a a statement against the wedding. And I don't (laughs) think that's going to (laughs) fly. I I mean, I think it's such a sensitive topic for people because... People do not want to call off these weddings. And I think like a lot of things where it's like we see that rich people are doing some things that regular people can't do. And it's like, well, why can't regular people do that too? There was the pictures of the people who had a wedding uh, a few weeks ago where they had Ruth Bader Ginsburg as the officiant. And that went viral because it seemed super dangerous and a terrible idea because yeah nobody was wearing a mask it's like even even then it just was like uh not worth it yeah and not to be a total downer but on the other side of things i i know people and i've also heard from people who have not been able to hold memorial services for their relatives who have died and not being able to get together with people after the loss of a loved one is so awful to comprehend yes. that I I think that's like the context of wondering about having a wedding, you know? Well, I think it's hard because it's like weddings are this joyful event. Nobody wants any negativity anywhere around it. Even with the thing of the Ruth Bader Ginsburg wedding going viral, like some people were like, can't you just let these people enjoy their wedding? And it's like, no, because of the circumstances. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't think it was a great idea anyway, probably. But (laughs) it just seemed like if you were going to hold a wedding during coronavirus, and especially if you were going to have a very vulnerable elderly person who the entire country was like depending on to stay alive, um, you should like never post any pictures anywhere. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I think that's what I keep getting struck by is like, people can't just do these things. They like are posting about it. And I think that helps normalize it in this fucked up way that makes other people be like, oh, well, some people are having weddings. Like, why can't we have our wedding? Well, that's also been a trend all through quarantine of the only real kind of metric you have for for gauging how your own experience is matching other people's is through social media. And, you know, when one person posts a picture of them hanging out with some friends, you notice you notice it in a way that maybe you wouldn't if you weren't so cut off and just thinking like, oh, 
I, well, I wonder where they are. I wonder if it's safer where they are. I wonder if they've all been tested. I wonder if they're in a pod. And so you draw all these conclusions that maybe you should not draw. Um, but also with your earlier point about rich people weddings, I actually think that this, that in a way, if you're not a rich person, but you've put down expensive deposits, potentially when you still had a job that you maybe now don't have, it's the same thing, if not more pressure to somehow get it done. Um, I mean, if you don't have a wedding and you give up that deposit, then the, you probably aren't going to have a wedding ever or for a long time, depending on how things go. And that's that's really depressing. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's it's a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I think we're acknowledging it's depressing. And I think nobody wants to think about depressing things in the context of a joyful event like a wedding. But I think we just have to call call a moratorium on big family events for the foreseeable future because it's not worth it to get grandma sick. Um, here's a question for our callers. If you want to call in at 240469, I want to hear from people who have attended or been in Zoom weddings because I've seen some that actually looked great. And I think it's a, you know, it definitely probably feels weird, but maybe the safest way to adapt and still be able to like see your friends and celebrate. So if you've been to one of those, let us know. Yeah, maybe just the couple could go to the venue so that they get something out of their deposit. Yeah. And then just a live stream, do a Twitch show. Let's take a little break. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, 
peanut butter M&Ms because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. We have got another night call. Tess, you want to take this night call? Well, we'll both be taking the night call. (laughs) Hi, night call. Loved the episode this week, especially all the talk about social media, which I feel like we all talk and think so much about and can never be done with. Something that I think about a lot with regards to social media is my like digital footprint. I'm a very archives minded person and then I'm going to school for archives management and I am very concerned with the idea that my Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr are basically the only record that I have and Facebook I guess are the only record that I have of my teenage years and that I would love to deactivate but then would I lose that record and all of the embarrassing posts and photos and at all that go along with that. So that's something I think about a lot and sort of agonize over. And even though I've mostly stopped using social media day to day, I still don't want to get rid of it because I want to preserve that sort of archive of my life. Um, Let me know what you guys think about this. And do you consider your social medias to be, you know, a record of your life or just a place to post? Thanks. Bye. What do you think, Molly? I mean, I think it's a great question. We have, you used to print out chats, right? You have some like... Oh, yeah. I still have them. Yeah. I I think everything used to be a lot more ephemeral when we first started on the internet with stuff like AOL. It doesn't, you know, theoretically stay around. You can just uh, sort of remember that you talk to a lot of people on chat but now it is kind of like, oh, Facebook is like the the wall where your height was marked for a long time. And then it became, you know, a fascist uh, instrument. So do you want the wall where you marked your height to stand? I think this is such an interesting question, especially coming from an archivist. I think of myself as very um, like emotionally tethered to my online selves of the past. And I... My Tumblr, um, at some point I migrated, like I duplicated it for a WordPress that's private so that I would have a backup. And that was when um, there was like a panic that Tumblr was going to shut down and erase everything. But when I see people who are digitizing their photos or like digitizing all of um, the stuff, you know, that they've had from like the 70s or 80s or whatever, I always think about how I want to like undigitize all of that stuff. Um and I, I think a lot about like printing out old blogs and like putting them in a binder or stuff like that, that you can't really do with Instagram or Facebook or things that are more visually oriented. Um, and I mean, with Tumblr, too, there's lots of like picture posts that you couldn't really print out and get like the sense of them. But I think that the impulse to do that has a lot to do with the fact that kind of our online selves are almost like external hard drives where because you're 
you're doing it online, you're not really thinking about it because you know that what is going on is being preserved. Um, so it's in a way I don't retain memories like I would, I think without that backup. And then there's the fear that you'll just kind of forget who you were, but that also that would maybe <laughs> still exist on the internet, but you couldn't access it kind of like a disembodied double. Is that too dystopian? Uh, I like it. I have tried to take a very detached attitude in recent years from all of the content that I've made over time because I feel like I don't have that much control over if something gets wiped. So I've tried to be like like tears and rain a little bit. <laughs> um, I definitely like rip my own archives from websites to just try and keep them. But even then, I'm like, oh, it's just in a Google Doc now. Like I agree with Tess that the idea of de-digitizing things, of having physical copies of photos and writing so that then you can untether yourself from the digital version seems really appealing now. It also kind of seems like a fun quarantine project. Every time I say fun quarantine project, I'm like, not that I'm doing any fun quarantine <laughs> projects. But the idea of kind of ha forcing yourself to sit down and sift through and choose what's important, even if that would mean looking at, you know, 15 years of Facebook activity and distilling it down to two or three or five or six things that you can pull and maybe just like scrapbook it or something. Yeah, I agree. Because it comes down to me for like, what were the five things I've ever written on the internet that I would like be proud of and, and want to continue existing? And then a lot of it is ephemeral. And I felt like it was ephemeral at the time. Uh, and that was kind of what I liked about it was just like, oh, you, you let go of the balloon every day. You can't just keep working on it forever and overworking it. You have to just kind of like let it go. So I'm I try to have that attitude a little bit of like, you just let it go. But it's also easier to have that attitude when your trusty friend has all your instant messages printed <laughs> in her closet. <laughs> yeah, it's easier when your friend Tess is the archivist. I'm the archivist. Those earlier years. I, I It's weird. I keep those, but they're they're almost all just kind of dense, like nonsense. I don't know what the real value is in having them other than the idea that if I really ever feel like I have no idea who I was that I could find out. Uh, but I mean, it's a it's a strange, it's definitely strange stuff to have. But I kind of I, I like the idea of knowing that the full body of your work, so to speak, is not important, but that like little glimpses of your past self could be. Yeah, I think uh, rip some photos. I mean, I, th I do think people should divest from Facebook. I really... Yeah. Do you think that if you can get yourself off Facebook, I think it's okay to just kind of like leave all your stuff there and go too? It's harder with, with things like Twitter and Instagram. I mean, Instagram in particular, because that's obviously just as bad as Facebook. You're not going to get the same misinformation, but it's owned by the same evil company. And that's kind of part of the reason that I have trouble with the idea of leaving Facebook is that I'm like, well, I, I think it should be all or nothing in a way. Um, but with Instagram, you you certainly could make like they have, you know, ways to make books, make like photo albums out of all your pictures and stuff like that. But you wouldn't have the comments. I don't know if those are important to you. I don't think they're important <laughs> to me. Maybe they are. Um, but I mean, 
it's also maybe these are excuses that I make just in order to like make my life easier and not do what is clearly the right thing to do. I've definitely been wanting to just get completely off lately. Yeah. And I go back and forth because I'm like, oh, I also need it to promote this show. And there's so many excuses and reasons in my mind of like why I can't just get yeah. off everything. But I certainly have the like throw my phone in a in a river and never use it again fantasy constantly. I think also talking about the social dilemma um, last week or the week before, I think one of the things that we realized is that we all are very aware of the dangers of these things. I think everyone who uses the internet a lot and who uses social media a lot is maybe not the target audience for the social dilemma because we're informed about why this is bad. But it is kind of a mixture of a feeling like a, a professional responsibility to remain in contact with people. Um, and also that little bit of like, but I've been, I've existed on this place for so long. And if I leave, then I'm gone, you know, tears and rain, tears and rain, tears and rain. I endorse this too. Um, <laughs> Before we move on to uh, Altered States, which we'll be talking about in the second half, I don't have a night call about this, but a friend of mine got a very strange email that was apparently sent out um, randomly to people in L.A., maybe from an old list of, of like a party or a nightclub or something. It is an email from a place called Spanky's. Um, the Spanky's is apparently a speakeasy where you text hello suckers, which is, I guess, like a prohibition joke or something, to 313313, and they send you a location, a time, and a password. And it is a party that goes from 11 p.m. until 5 a.m. Uh, with mandatory masks, social distancing enforced, they claim, and no photos. Um, there is an emphasis on, quote, discretion, secrecy, and safety, it is so bizarre to be doing this during quarantine, um, and it's especially strange to send this out unprompted to people, I think. Um, yeah, you hipped me to this and then sent me a Reddit thread of people who had received it who were trying to figure out how they got on this list. It seems like it comes from some other nightlife promoters. People were like, oh, I guess I went to a sketchy nightclub one time. Probably that's why I'm on this list. Uh, but I'm not super surprised that people are throwing underground parties at this point in quarantine. I guess the first one was two months ago, though. I, the only thing that you can really find about this at, at this point when we're recording this episode is just this one Reddit thread. Um, and the subject is spanky speakeasy. And so two months ago, you know, people started receiving this. And then I guess this is like maybe a relaunch or something. But the address that's listed in the footer is like this curve on Mulholland, totally empty of any building. Yeah, it's not a real address. But the whole pitch is like, oh, it's at a mansion. It's like an after hours party at a fancy mansion in the hills. And so they give this address that Sounds like it could be because it's like a Mulholland Drive address, right? That just yeah. uh, is nowhere. But it gives the the aura of like, this will be somewhere around here. We just can't tell you exactly where until you sign up. The other weird thing about this is that um, in the Reddit thread, which again, 
the only way I can try and figure out what's up with Spankies. Um, someone discovered that there was a live stream that was maybe connected to this with a test video um, where a guy is saying, can you hear me over and over? And the Reddit user did a facial recognition match and the computers matched him with a guy from a Russian YouTube channel, um, adding a, a layer of an extra layer of what the fuck to the Spankies email. Uh, but it's a it's a true local mystery. So if you've ever been to Spanky's, won't you please let us know? Yeah, I mean, I looked into it a little bit more because I got really curious when you said that. And I was like, who's throwing eyes wide shut parties right now? Not a good idea, but I'm sure there's an audience for that of people who want to go to after hours even now. Um, but it seems like the people who threw it exist they exist they're yeah. like a real nightlife uh shingle and they had a website even and when i went to their website they were honoring a dj or like saying happy birthday to a dj who then my boyfriend said oh yeah that dj uh got got me too'd oh so I think uh, maybe these people are, are not the best people throwing the COVID party. Well, the yeah, COVID mansion I guess party. there have also been a bunch of big parties on Mulholland, like hype house type of things. Um, and so there's some speculation as to whether these are, you know, influencer parties or or what. Uh, but I, I just found like the pros of this email to be gross. I mean, it was like, want to be celebs? It's really gross. It's like... Bring your drugs. Yeah. Do do the sex. I know. Um, it does. I, I have been thinking a lot about uh, Dinner House M, which was like a brief. I don't know actually how brief. Brief for me. Uh, party venue in L.A. in the like mid aughts, I guess. Um, I went there with Molly a couple of times, but it operated after hours and it had a usually great DJs and had that feeling that it wasn't really supposed to be there. Um, but I've definitely been feeling nostalgic, but I've also been feeling nostalgic for just going out to any, literally any place. Yeah. I mean, I think people are very cooped up and some people would probably just take the risk and go to a big party that they're paying for. They're promising, you know, social distancing and masks and whatever. It seems impossible to deal with to me personally, but I'm sure that that'll be happening more. It just seems crazy to me to liken COVID to prohibition. I know. I mean, that's kind of the the wildest reach here is that um, it's very different, actually. It is different. Yeah, because the whole thing is like, oh, they don't want us to party. And it's like, yeah, yeah, we don't want us to party. <laughs> you party, you die. Don't party. Um, also, I'm like the thrill that one might get in the before times from going to a super after hours secret whatever, like that kind of adrenaline rush of like, what am I doing? You could get that just from going inside a grocery store now. Well, yeah, it sounds like the Disney World thing. It's like it seems like something that might be fun in the moment and then you would have the world's worst existential hangover afterwards of like, oh, no, am I going to die because I went to an after hours? Yeah, and you'd be right to freak out. Well, let's take a little break and when we come back, we will talk about Altered States. Altered States. 
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Hello. So we recently watched Altered States. This was the first time I had seen Altered States uh, in in my mind. But I've been told that I watched it a long time ago and just let it fly away. Tears in the rain style. Um, Molly, you just watched it. Was that the first time you'd seen it? Yeah, I thought I had seen it, but it turns out I had not. Well? Uh, it rules. <laughs> this This movie is a 1980 release directed by Ken Russell, which only happened after a shakeup. Um, the screenplay and source novel by Patty Chayefsky. And boy, it does not sound like this movie was fun to make at all. No, but it's fun to watch. Super fun to watch. Um, but for background on the problems with making it, I guess this was kind of 
came about as sort of a goof between Chayefsky meeting up with his best friend, Bob Fosse, and also maybe Herb Gardner at the Russian Tea Room. Um, and they wanted to make a movie with D- they wanted to pitch a movie to Dino De Laurentiis. And they were like, Jekyll and Hyde, like King Kong, but he becomes a movie star. And then Chayefsky went home and kind of came up with Altered States. Um, would you like to summarize the plot of this film, Molly? Sure. It was a novel first, and it's about a scientist who gets really into isolation tanks and then combining isolation tanks with taking intense psychedelic drugs. And that's pretty much what it's about. It's an 80s guy pushing it to the limit. And he pushes passed. it. He fucking pushes it to the limit. He does. Um, there was an, a director, Arthur Penn was originally uh, slated to direct this, and he cast it. Uh, and it's a great cast, William Hurt, coming very close to Kevin Costner territory here. Um, and uh, Blair Brown, Bob Balaban. But I guess Arthur Penn got into a fight with Chayefsky and quit. And then Ken Russell was brought on after they offered it to like a million other directors and then Chayefsky and Russell fought and uh so you know Chayefsky is now credited as Sidney Aaron because didn't want anything to do with it but this is Chayefsky was eventually I think banned from the set because he would just tell Ken Russell what he wanted and Ken Russell was like I'm trying to direct mate (laughs) (laughs) the dialogue Chayefsky wouldn't let anyone touch the dialogue and the dialogue is the funniest thing ever. Well, yeah, it's funny because it's based on a novel and the novel's incredibly wordy and dialogue heavy and has all these monologues about like spirituality and drugs and and God and and finding yourself. And Ken Russell was like, oh my God, there's so much talking in this book and Chayefsky doesn't want any of it cut. So he did a smart thing, which was to have people kind of overlapping talking, kind of Altman style. Yeah. And it works really well because it's also set in this amazing milieu of scuzzy academics. Yeah, it's it's a it also has like a Sorkin. It's like Altman meets Sorkin or something. But it it really encapsulates. I was not born in 1980 when this came out, but I do feel like the dinner parties where they're playing the doors and smoking a joint and all of these academics are having these fast paced conversations and they're talking about psychoanalysis seemed very realistic to me. <laughs> and also like a dream world to me for some reason. Oh, well, also everyone's dressed fabulously. There's a lot of aquamarine turtlenecks and flowy nightgowns. Yeah, it just feels like you don't get to see the like scientists who are laid back that often anymore. It's like when you see scientists in movies, they're always like, doctor, we have to do this. But it's like in Poltergeist, how the parents smoke pot. It's just that like long 70s thing where it's like, oh, yeah, everyone's like doing acid and having weird key parties. There are so many scenes where it's an emotional conversation, but also an, elect- an intellectual conversation held between two completely naked people draped on love seats. Where it's just like, I had a party, I stripped down, I'm lying on a love seat, and now I want to talk about my work as an anthropologist, and also what's going on between us, babe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the horny academia and horny scientists of this movie are fantastic, especially Bob Balaban, who's kind of the straight man, just like Bob Balaban floating around in this movie being like, hey, 
maybe don't completely lose touch with your ego in order to become the goat head god man. The six-eyed goat head god man. Um, Bob Balaban in this movie is the solution to the question we've been posing, who does Keith Raniere look exactly like? Oh my God. There you go. Wow. You got the short guy energy. You have the um, the bespectacled and beard and also the kind of like lounging and judging, you know? Totally. Although I feel like Bob Balaban has too much sexual charisma for well, that to be. totally true. I find Bob Balaban just like magnetic. I love him. To be magnetic. He is magnetic <laughs> and he's great in this. Um, they also have a funny relationship, William Hurt and Bob Balaban in this movie of like, William Hurt really wants to be in the tank and he really wants to do the drugs, but he also like needs his crew there um, both to monitor him, but also because in his mind and also maybe in Chayevsky's vision, they care so much about looking at what's up with his brain. Yeah, I mean, I was a little confused about what the purpose of these experiments was. It was just um, to go as far into your brain as you possibly can. I looked into it more based on a real guy. Oh, what really? Yeah, it's Lily who invented isolation tanks and also was the guy that was famous for trying to talk to dolphins. Oh, so yeah. he inspired like three movies and one of them is... Day of the Dolphin, which we've also talked about on Night Call, but we should watch sometime. Uh, I think he was just on the on the cutting edge of weird science. Did he get addicted to his isolation tank? It seems like one does. Wow. Can you imagine? Would you do the isolation tank? Let's get into it. I feel like we've circled this and every time my answer is different. Having been kind of in an isolation tank uh, via quarantine... I don't want more of that now. Um, the idea of doing hallucinogenic drugs and then going into an isolation tank is horrible. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that. Isn't the womb an isolation tank, man? It is. You're going back to the womb. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Th this movie also, though, the, the purpose is not stated. I guess William Hurt's character, Dr. Eddie Jessup, doesn't realize what's going to happen when he takes this drug in the isolation tank. But what does happen, spoiler alert, is that he somehow mutates into an early form of man that he he saw on his initial trip, which was in Mexico, I think. Um, he was given a stew of mushrooms and roots and his own blood. And then he saw ape-like creatures that were moving very gracefully and then he he became one of them, but only in his mind. Then when he goes into the isolation tank and is taking a, I believe, synthesized version of that drug, he grows hair and like froths at the mouth and wants to eat a deer and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, this movie is just a feast for the eyes. It is <laughs> extremely fun to watch. Um, I don't know that it makes drugs look like something you want to do. But it, in, in exaggerating what a bad trip is like, it definitely is like a fun thing to enjoy. They yeah. go to Mexico to get the experimental drug that will push him even further. It's mushrooms. It's some kind of magic mushroom, but it seems a lot more like ayahuasca just in terms of how it is done and how it affects people. And they do it in a cave with everybody wearing 
tribal face paint. Um, I just read a thing about this guy who's like the psychedelics concierge to the stars. Zappy. <laughs> Zappy. <laughs> it said, like, would you trip with someone who was the con- psychedelic concierge to Lamar Odom and Michelle Rodriguez? And the answer is, I do not think I would like to trip with Zappy. You wouldn't trip with Zappy? What's his deal? He's like a former something else. And then he was like, I think my true calling is to be your your trip buddy uh, and take you take you to places where we can score the hallucinogens <laughs> and people love it. And I guess Lamar Odom was like really transformed by the experience of tripping with Zappy. I think when I saw the headline too, it just said like Michelle and my brain filled in Obama. And I was like, wow, I want to know about like tripping with Michelle Obama That's and Zappy su- surprised. But um, somebody told me, cause I was talking about this movie a lot after I saw it. And uh, a friend was telling me about a coworker of theirs who did ayahuasca a lot of times. They did it like five or six times. And they said only the first two times were great. Oh, no, really? They said you kind of like reach the thing you're going to reach. She was like, in the first time, I like got all the way down to like unmake myself. And the second time I like rebuilt myself up. And then the third, fourth and fifth and possibly six times I was just throwing up a lot. It's like you can't treat your body or mind like a Lego set that you just disassemble and reassemble a million times. Well, I think it's interesting that like with any kind of drug, there is there does seem to be a limit to the amount of it you can do that you'll get something out of it, especially with psychedelic drugs and entheogens where you are maybe going to have some kind of a revelation or feel like you are. It does seem like it has kind of diminishing returns after a certain point. Yeah, I, I'm interested in that. I um, have never taken a large dose of hallucinogens. Uh, oh, you haven't taken a large dose? I've never taken a large dose of hallucinogens. Have you taken um, any smaller doses, Tess? Well, my good friend uh, who has taken smaller doses of hallucinogens has really liked it, but they did report that um, it builds up. So depending on which protocol you do, if it builds up if you're taking it multiple days in a row there's the potential that you might find that one day you are taking apart your brain of legos a little more than you may have intended to uh but i i think on this podcast we're we're non-judgmental about people who take hallucinogens uh in general maybe i can speak for you and i think that we're like I think we're like, we're alter all, your state a little safely. I think we're all pro-altering your state under the right circumstances. The interesting thing, though, about altered states is that supposedly you would, I mean, he's, so Eddie Jessup is very concerned with God and religion and, like, where he fits. William Hurt is on one in this movie. He and sure it is. It's amazing. I kept thinking it was, like, a prequel to The Big Chill. Well, that's why I was thinking of Kevin Costner, too, because I was like, Kevin Costner and William Hurt are just two sides of the same coin. And then, of course, in Big Chill, we saw who prevailed. Oh, yeah. And this was this was uh, Hurt's first movie, too. And also Drew Barrymore is in this. as Drew a- Barrymore is one of the children who gets like left behind by her father doing too many drugs, which feels, you know, a little yeah. uh, intertextual. On the nose. Um, but if you're a person who's so obsessed with losing your ego 
like finding God within and the singularity and all of that kind of stuff. It just seems interesting that his journey in this movie, William Hurt's character, is to become is to go from a self-involved 80s guy who like is really just obsessed with his inner workings and obsessed with who he is and everyone else is just a bit player in his life to a thoroughly more self-obsessed person. Well, I like I like that he becomes like a homunculus. Yeah, I, there are some great shots of his arms bubbling. Oh my god. Yeah, the practical effects in this movie are unbelievable and I think it does a really good job of trying to make visual things that are not probably like corporeal when you are tripping, but to try and replicate what it feels like to trip balls using green screens and stuff, this movie does a great job of oh, cre- yeah. creating an aesthetic. And apparently Chayefsky was really um, particular about those scenes, the like, you know, kind of fireball, like the iTunes visualizer scenes, basically. Right. And uh, there's a, there's some great shots of Blair Brown kind of sphinx-like against a backdrop of the universe that's glittering. Uh, If you've ever been served a targeted ad from this one weird microdosing company, um, they have it. It looks just ripped from altered states. Uh, (laughs) But also it was interesting to me. I did not know that Patty Chayefsky was in psychoanalysis for a super long time, starting in the 50s to deal with like rage and violent behavior. And it does seem to be a movie about like a man who is very witty and intellectual, well, not witty, I shouldn't say witty, he has no sense of humor, but an intellectual and a fast talking guy who's like really in control, but he just longs to lose, to go back to like a primal state where he like rips a deer open and eats its guts. And it seems like a personal, a personal project in many ways. Right. Well, I mean, I think if you've seen Network, you can kind of yeah. catch catch that drift about Chayefsky, but... It is sort of like this. these people are all so talky. They can't stop talking. They can't stop thinking. And all they really want is to like be forced to stop talking and thinking by something greater than themselves. But look how much talking he does in the tank. Can you imagine being in an isolation tank and just like going the whole time? It's a very cocaine movie in that sense, too, where you're like, he's not just doing the ayahuasca. (laughs) But he's also just like high on like what an alpha he is. He's like, tells his future wife, Blair Brown, he's just like, I'm not like husband material, but like, I'm going to fuck your brains out and you'll never forget. You know? But then he starts going on about religion during and she's like, ugh. Well, that's when they're like being naked and and sitting in bed, just like, oh, well, you know, the the Holy Spirit comes to you when you're in the tank and uh, can you fully get rid of the Sphinx that sits on your head? I don't think I asked you the same question you asked me. Would you go in the deprivation tank? I mean, not right now, but I think so. Yeah. My friend Mike, who was a big Altered States fan, booked a isolation tank in the Valley. They are not super surprisingly mostly located in the San Fernando Valley at this point. Um, he didn't like it as much as he thought he was going to. Because I think he said he was just like too conscious. The water kind of smells like chlorine and stuff. And that you start focusing on that because you can't focus on anything visual. But friend of the podcast, uh, Mara Wilson, sent a message to say that she's done isolation tanks and loved it. 
Really? And was surprised to love it because she is very claustrophobic. She said she lowered the door that you can kind of keep the door propped open for as long as you want and that she was doing it like a little bit at a time, leaving it like an inch open at the end. And then finally she felt comfortable enough to shut it all the way and that she totally got into it. I don't remember. Did you do the James Terrell thing that they had at LACMA and was kind of traveling around where it was being shut in the light coffin? I didn't do the pod. Yeah, I didn't do the pod, the light coffin. That seemed a little scary to me. I loved it. (laughs) Oh, you did it. I did it. I loved it. That's so altered states. Yeah, it really was. And I was I was very concerned about it because I, too, get claustrophobic um, and it felt like. I had read a lot of things that implied that you could really not like it. If you didn't like it, you were not going to mildly dislike it. You were going to violently dislike it. Um, But yeah, I thought it was really fascinating. I think that to me, being in water, um, when you said the distracting chlorine smell, I was like, yeah, see, that's the issue. Uh, We've talked also, I think, um, off pod maybe about an isolation tank that had a sign no pooping in the tank (laughs) and that's an issue you know uh you get relaxed well the thought that of anyone pooping in the tank and then you being the next person in the tank it doesn't matter how well they clean it like no that stay on your mind but if you're william hurt you've got your own tank yeah and also i mean he he started off in a fairly fairly four-star tank but then had to move down to the more motel six level tank the like tank that they had to kind of scrape the rust off of and it looked like a giant locker it's like he gets addicted to the tank yeah it's not the drug it's like the being in isolation and and it's really i think he's also addicted to having two of his smart friends studying him he wants to be studied I mean, I think you could really see it if you want to take it to Chayefsky as like a metaphor for writing for somebody who's just like being in their own brain all the time, because that is what writing feels like to me sometimes. It's like I have to be completely in an isolation tank of the soul to get anything done. Yeah. Which is why sometimes it works well, like in the middle of the night. I mean, having also... This is another link to quarantine, but the idea of having a tiny space that's just for you and just wow. for your work or just for your thoughts is extremely appealing. It's that's just what I water. was thinking, too, because in quarantine, the idea of like an escape pod, I've been thinking about Total Recall a lot also, especially when we were locked down with the fires and really couldn't go outside. I was just like, would I... Would I do the brain implant that lets me go on like a vacation to Greece right now where I have no idea that it's not real, you know? Yep. And then somebody was like, no, you wouldn't because Elon Musk is the person offering it. (laughs) That's true. I mean, much like you wouldn't want a trip with Zappy necessarily, you wouldn't want to uh, total recall with Elon Musk. No, set and setting. I, I definitely was like, I would want to go on like a virtual vacation right now I wouldn't pick the one where I have to save the world and get the girl like he does in Total Recall I would pick the one that's like you know uh very mundane (laughs) just like eating a great shrimp taco somewhere else (sighs) well that's like San Junipero right exactly 
like just go on a beach vacation safely, but it's uh, an implant in your brain. Well, I watched, we talked about this on the pod, but I watched San Junipero um, a couple of months ago after we'd been in quarantine for a while. And that actually sums up a lot of what we've been talking about in this episode in terms of like preserving your digital past, as well as trying to like create a digital escape, you know, and and how those things are linked. I mean, it feels like over the past couple of months, we've been kind of bumping up against like the walls of the internet and realizing the necessity of creating different ways to communicate because like obviously we're going to need to communicate we're going to need to work remotely but the structures that are in place to allow us to do so are all kind of corrupt you know yeah they're all really bad I mean I think if anything what I really want is like an offline space Mm -hmm. I think what we really want is for everybody to be in their isolation tanks and be able to combine brainwaves I think that's the perfect solution. Is that what podcasting is? I think that, yeah, I was just like, wait, that reminds me of something. <laughs> something we're doing right now. Um, well, I think that does it for this week. We are looking forward to having Emily back next week. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you're enjoying the show, won't you please leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. We are Night Call Pod on Twitter, Night Call Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, The Bad Places. You can leave us a night call at 24046night. And of course, we would always appreciate you supporting the podcast on Patreon. We are patreon.com forward slash night call. We have a bunch of great rewards award tiers we do bonus podcast book club it's fun join us join us and leave us some night calls about your best trips your worst trips your feelings about isolation tanks anything else whether people should go to weddings how you've been to spankies if you've been to spankies if spankies is really just a brain implant where you say you're going to go to an after hours and then when you get there they put a chip in your brain that's the conspiracy theory we will push <laughs> on the show. That's why it has no fixed address. So, yeah, we'll see you next week for another night call. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. 
Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.